You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, All of You, Part 3. Enjoy. Give your whole heart and your whole attention to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God this morning. Father, we're here. We got out of bed this morning. Glory! Some of us even showered. Some of us went a step further and brushed our teeth. And we're here. And we love you. But we didn't come to a religious service. We came to fellowship with your spirit. We came to submit to your word and be transformed by the pure holy truth of the living Christ. Change us. We give you full permission to have your way that any thought that's even mildly contrary to your holiness, we tear it down this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're so glad you're here. If it's your first time here, just make yourself at home. um, We're not very interested in religious tradition. In fact, we do our best to steer clear of it. Religious tradition has the appearance of godliness, but when you get under the hood, there's no power there. When you lift up the hood, there's no deliverance there. There's no healing there. There's no soundness of mind there. There's just more questions. There's just more confusion. There's just a more to-do lists. We, we don't have a to-do list for you here at Highway. We have one thing on our list, and that's to believe him. Just believe him. We're continuing in our series, All of You. We'll finish next Sunday. I asked Jennifer if in the first Sunday in October if she would teach on the rapture. And uh, many don't understand that the rapture and the second coming are two different events. The rapture comes first, and then there's a period of about seven years of tribulation, and then the second coming. But we're gonna, she's going to go through the scriptures. We're going to go through the scriptures and look at what the word says about the rapture. It's going to be awesome. Uh, before that, let's continue in our series, All of You. And, you know, God's just not happy with anything less than all of you. And that can be irritating. Because he's fully committed to having all of you. And if you haven't given your whole self to him, sooner or later you're going to be frustrated in your relationship with him. Just as a husband or a wife would be frustrated with their spouse if their spouse hadn't given their whole self to them, right? The Bible likens our relationship with the Father, with Christ, as a marriage And none of us would want to be in a marriage if the one we were in a marriage with hadn't given their whole selves to us. That's what marriage is all about. It's not man's idea. God created it. That two people would give their whole selves to him and their whole selves to each other. That they would follow Christ with their whole selves, fully committed to him and fully committed to each other for the rest of of their lives, right? And you can't enjoy marriage if you don't have that. It takes, it takes an act of your will, 
a daily commitment, a daily decision to give your whole self. Why? Because sometimes our flesh doesn't feel like it. Sometimes our flesh uh, would rather do things that it shouldn't do, right? Like when it's time to cut the grass, sometimes our flesh wants to watch reruns, right? Or, or take a nap on the recliner. Or maybe um, there are things um, that we should not do, but our flesh may like, feel like doing them, like having that 10th brownie, you know? Should have stopped at nine. <laughs> so you don't want to let your flesh determine what you do in life. And we're exhorted to walk in the Spirit in the New Testament. When you walk in the Spirit, life is good. Your relationship with God is good. Your marriage is good. Because life is in the Spirit. Your flesh has no life to give you. Your flesh is like a spoiled brat that you need to spank so it stops whining. It's the only way to deal with a spoiled brat. Firmly, directly, immediately. Is that hard to hear? Because you've been listening to the world. The world doesn't know how to deal with spoiled brats. They submit to spoiled brats. You throw a fit on Facebook and, oh, right? People throwing fits in life because they want to they they have their own way. It doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Throwing a fit will get you nowhere with God because he loves you too much. Do you know when someone throws a fit, it means they're in bondage to their flesh? When someone rants on Facebook, it reveals that they're giving in to their flesh or Insta or whatever platform they're on or through the media you know most of what you see on the media is flesh amplified and broadcast with lots of technology and high-powered transmitters Jesus said the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life it's the spirit that gives life the flesh profits nothing so we're spirit people aren't we we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. We're dead to sin. We're alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is returning for a spiritual church. A church that doesn't get offended. A church that doesn't rant and throw fits. A church that walks in the same power and glory as he did when he was on earth. Are you that church? I believe you are. I believe I'm looking at that church. Right here, sitting right here, and those joining us online. I believe you wouldn't be listening in a part of this highway family if you weren't a part of that church. All of you, when our eyes are open, and I mean the eyes of our heart, when they're open to the reality of God's goodness, we are motivated that's an understatement inspired determined to know him when our eyes are open to the goodness of God we can't help but follow him
we can't help but run after him. When we see God as he is, this is why man's religion is so dangerous because it paints a picture of God that's not true. But Jesus came so that you could have more than 4K vision of the goodness of God. When you see God as he is, you can't help but run after him. You can't help but give your whole self to him. Even before I, when I, when I first met Jennifer and I got to know her, I, I got to know her, I couldn't help but marry her. Because I got to know who she is and see what she's all about. It's like that when you know God, you can't help but run after him. You can't help but give your whole self to him. If you haven't given all of you to him, you simply don't know how good he is. It's just that simple. I'm not putting anyone down because we've all been there and we're still learning how good he is. But it'll help you. It's like, okay, there's something in my thinking that needs to change. So don't be down on yourself. Condemnation is never from him, right? But it's good to let his word locate us so we can know where we are. Because when you know you can't get to where you're going if you don't know where you are, right? Where are we going? A life that's fully committed to him. We're all in running after him with everything we've got. That's where we're going. Where are we at? Well, we'll, we'll see. Well, the word will locate us so that we can get. That's where we're at yesterday. We had uh, the Amber and the kids put together a wonderful surprise for Jennifer. And uh, we went up to Boston yesterday, and for the first time, we got on the Charles River. And we jumped in some kayaks and had a blast. It was really fun. And then we had a destination after we got out of the river to go to, but we had to use our GPS on our phones. We walked there. And we wouldn't have gotten there if a GPS didn't show us where we were. So we had to look at the blue dot, which is where we were, and the red dot, which is where we're going. Where you're going is a life fully possessed by the Holy Spirit. Fully, fully inspired by the Spirit of God. So if I haven't given my whole self to God, that means there's something I believe about Him that isn't true. I was afraid to come to God when I was growing up. Because the church I went to was scary. It was scary. It was a cold place. It was very formal, very sophisticated, very respectable in the world's eyes. They had all the garments and the beautiful, you know, place to come and the marble floors. But it, to me as a child, I thought this is a cold place, and it was. And I didn't know where God was. I thought he might have been up on the balcony. They had a balcony in the front. And there was an organ you couldn't see, this big white curtain behind there was this organ and this woman singing. I thought, he's probably up there. And I didn't know, and I was, it just felt so distant to me. And as I got older, that, that never left me until the thought hit my mind, the Spirit of God, that maybe God loves me. Maybe he won't hurt me if I come to him. And I got so tired of the world, I figured, what do I got to lose? 
God, who are you? As I started to talk to him at 17, who are you? Show yourself to me. And I found out he was better than my best dream. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. I hope I gave you guys the right scripture back there, but we're going to go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 17. Then we'll go to Matthew 19. See, if I'm, if, I'm not, if I'm not all in in my walk with God, there's something I believe about him that's not true. There's something that's tripping me up. There's something that's keeping me from fully engaging. Maybe I think that my plans are better, that my plans for my life are really better. Or maybe I think that what the world has to offer me is better. I was offered some very tempting things when I was 17. I had a friend who was a a pianist who was going to go out to L.A. and record with the L.A. Symphony, and her cousin was uh, on the board of Arista Records, which is what Whitney, this is back in the 80s, Whitney Houston signed with them, and he managed some major uh, personalities in, in Hollywood and L.A., and she said, come out and meet my husband. We'll get you set up. That was, that was appealing to me. But I kept talking to God. I decided I wanted to know him more than I wanted to know L.A. or Hollywood or, or entertainment or popularity. And I'd just take long walks at night, sometimes two or three hours, and I'd talk to him. Didn't know the Bible. Church I went to was cold and distant. But I was talking to him. And I was sincere with all of my heart. And I decided I would follow him instead of the offer I was given. And I'm so glad I did. He made me whole. He set me free. He made me uh, strong. And he revealed to me my destiny, my true calling. Well, a, a rich young man came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. He wasn't just a wealthy young man. He was a ruler in society. He held a great position of authority. Basically, the world would look at this young man and said he had it all. Wealthy, influential, position of authority. And he came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And as Jesus was going out on the road, thank you guys for putting that up there, this young rich young man, this young ruler, he came running and knelt before Jesus. So there was some urgency here. And he asked Jesus, he said, good teacher. You know, history, I've, I heard people say this, I still hear them say, say, well, Jesus was a good teacher, but I don't, but that, you know, I don't think he was God. I don't think he was the Messiah. And that doesn't make any sense if you'll read what Jesus taught. Because he taught that he was God. He taught that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He taught that before Abraham was, I am. So if what he said was not true, he's not a good teacher. He was nuts. He was crazy. He was off his rocker. Because the things he said were absolute 
He, he walked as God in the, in, in the earth. He walked as the son of God. He claimed that, that he came from the Father. So those claims that Jesus was a good teacher are claims of ignorance. They haven't read what he actually taught. So here he is saying, good teacher. <laughs> you can look at Adam as a good teacher, but it's not until you see him as God that things change. Hallelujah. Knelt before him and he asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may get eternal life? So he thinks eternal life is something that he can accomplish with his own efforts, right? He thinks that he has the talent, the ability, the resources to obtain eternal life. Now, we're combining Mark's account and Matthew's account of this interaction between Jesus and this young man. So we're going to go to Matthew 19 and start in verse 17. Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? Roasted. <laughs> Jesus likes to meet us where we're at, right? And anytime Jesus asks a question, let that question reveal to you the thinking inside you need to change. Don't be quick to answer. Let it sit. I found that when God speaks to me, if I'll just let it sit, it unveils things in my life that need to change. And I love that. A good father rebukes his children, not hurts them. A loving rebuke makes you stronger, not loses their temper, not gets angry, but reveals truth to them. When you're thinking wrong, when truth comes, that's a rebuke. It's a realization I need to change the way I'm looking at this. Jesus says, why do you call me good? He's saying, your focus is wrong. You see me as a good teacher before Abraham was, I am. No one's good but one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Who's God? Jesus. John 1.1. 1, 1. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Remember, God's after your heart, Right? If there's anything occupying the place in your heart that belongs to him, he will reveal it to you. What's he trying to do? He's trying to reveal the thing in this young man's heart that is keeping him from eternal life, from knowing God, which is what eternal life is. You remember from last week, right? Eternal life is not going to heaven. Eternal life is knowing God today. So this young man is all about performance. Right? Accomplishment. What can I do? So Jesus speaks to him. You understand that he talks about the command. He's talking about the law, the Mosaic law, the Big Ten. Right? What was the purpose of the law? Many believers don't know it. They live under the Mosaic covenant today. And they're legalistic and they're no fun to be around. What was the purpose of the law? We should know the purpose for it, right? Well, to reveal to us Christ, to real, reveal to us our need for a Savior. The primary problem God has had with man is man thinks he's all set. Man thinks that he can do this thing, that I don't need God, 
Nothing could be further from the truth. That's not a put down, it's just truth. We need him to breathe. We can't inhale or exhale without his grace. And God's so, he's so gracious, you can be fooled into thinking that you're the one doing the good things in your life. That you're the one who's got you to where you've got if you've been successful, quote unquote. So this young man, so what is Jesus? To, to get us to open our eyes to our need for him, he'll bring the law to you. Not legalistically, lovingly. The first thing he does is he brings the commandments to this young man. Why? So this young man will realize how much he needs Christ in his life. You see that? So the young man, now look what the young man says to, to Jesus. Which ones? Which commandments? <laughs> what does the, the, the law teach? If you break one, you broke them all. Oh! So he just asked a dumb question, didn't he? There are such a thing as dumb questions. You know that? That's a politically correct thing. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Yes, there is. This is a dumb, this is a dumb question. He should have been listening. He should have let God's word sink in instead of opening his mouth. Right? <laughs> Jesus said, he's so gracious. You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. Now, Jesus clarified what that really means. He said, if you hate your brother, that's murder. If you lust after a woman, that's adultery. In your heart, online, whatever the case may be, that's adultery. He clarified that in Matthew 5, right? What the commandment really means. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go back to Mark chapter 10, verse 20, and look at the young man's response. Mark chapter 10, verse 20. Young man said to him, check. I've done all these things. All these things I've kept from my youth. What's he say? I'm perfect. The word declares none of us have kept all these. None of us. That we've all fallen short. This is pretty uh, arrogant, wouldn't you say? I've, I've perfectly kept God's commandments my whole life. Okay. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He loves us. No matter what we think, he loves us. Doesn't mean he agrees with us. Love doesn't mean you agree with someone. That's what politically correct love is. Love means you'll let me throw a fit and then you'll agree with me because I'm throwing a fit. That's not love. Love never agrees with evil and wrong thinking. Never. Under any circumstances. He loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. See, Jesus knew that there was a major idol in this man's heart. There's something that he had exalted above God in his life. One thing you lack, he said, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come, take up the cross, and follow me. Ooh. 
But he was sad, not Jesus. The rich young ruler was sad at his word. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Why would he be sorrowful? Isn't having, having possessions is a good thing, by the way. God knows you need them. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. He adds no sorrow to it. So he didn't recognize where his wealth came from. He thought he was the one who made it happen. What was his idol? What was his idol? His possessions. Things, right? Became the idol in his life. And he believed that God wanted to take away his possessions. And many teach that. The church I grew up in, uh, some of their... Uh, so, some of the ministers have to make a, a vow of poverty. Christ came to destroy poverty. Poverty is under a part of the curse of sin. Why would you make a vow to that? The blessing of the Lord brings wealth and adds no sorrow to it. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. My plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. Wrong thinking. We don't make vows to things Jesus redeemed us from. And we're going to see that Jesus didn't want to take away his possessions. He wanted, him to, he wanted this young man to choose God above his possessions. Of his own free will, because Jesus couldn't do it for him. You have to choose Jesus above everything in your life, and no one can choose that for you. No one can make up your mind for you. You say, how do you know God wanted to bless him? Well, good old Peter's there. And I like Peter. He's not religious, and that's what I like about him. He just says what's on his mind. <laughs> and in verse, we're going to go back to Matthew, Matthew 19, 27. I'm just jumping back and forth between both accounts. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, he's saying to Jesus, We've left all and followed you. What's in it for us? There's nothing wrong with that question. Jesus didn't rebuke him, did he? There was a time when he did rebuke Peter, right? When Peter tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross. But he doesn't rebuke him here. Why? It's a good question. What is the reward of following you? Nothing wrong with that. You're supposed to count the cost, aren't you? Before you make that decision. Right? Before I invest in something, I want to know what's the cost and what's the reward. What's my cost to reward ratio? Right? Matthew chapter 10, excuse me, Mark 10, verse 29, Jesus' response to Peter. You know, what, what shall we have? Oh, Peter, you greedy fool. It's not what Jesus said. Don't be religious. Let Jesus do the talking. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. So what would that rich young ruler have received if we had left everything and followed Christ? One hundred times of the fortune he had. 
according to Jesus. Does that freak your religious mind out? It shouldn't. This is Jesus talking. Didn't Jesus just say that? Or are we making this up? We're just, we're just reading. Just read him. Your questions will be answered if you just read Jesus. If you don't understand, keep reading. Read it again. Read it till you get it. Don't quit because you don't get it. Don't quit. If Jesus says something, you're reading it, and it doesn't make sense to you, just keep reading. Read it again. Read it 127 times. And then read it another 127 times. Then keep reading it. Meditate on it. And, and stop trying to get it with here. Start getting it with here. It's your spirit. Do you know your spirit can take you where your head can't go? Knowing God is truly good. So if he's asking me to follow him, then no matter what anyone else has offered, no matter what plans I might have, I'm going to run after him because his reward is greater. Yes. Greater than anything I could ever achieve on my own. Right? Greater than anything anyone in this world could ever offer me. Do you believe that about following God? Do you believe the reward of following Him outweighs anything this world can offer you? You, you, you should believe that. You may not. I'm going to exhort you to because it is true. That following Christ with everything you've got is, is worth everything you've got. And so much more. A hundred times more. Let's read some scriptures about the goodness of God. Can we do that? And we're just going to do, I don't know, a handful. Because we just simply don't have enough years in life to talk about the goodness of God. But undoubtedly, you've been told things about God that aren't true. I can just about guarantee it. Not only through man's religious tradition, but there are devils who whisper to us to try and distort our image of God, right? You've been told that God is controlling everything in this world and that everything that happens is God's will and that all the tragedies and the things that happen, well, that's somehow part of God's plan. The Bible doesn't teach that. Did you know that? Jesus didn't teach that. I know you've been told that, and I know you've probably been told that by churches and religious leaders, but Jesus didn't teach that. Do you know that God is not controlling everything? Do you know that there are more things that we could ever count happening every day that are contrary to the will of God? If God were controlling everything in this world, there wouldn't be one crime. There wouldn't, wouldn't be one uh, Thief <laughs> wouldn't be one uh, inappropriate deed. There wouldn't be any sickness ever if God were controlling everything. Somewhere along the line, a demon whispered into someone's ear and they believed them and said that God's sovereignty is defined by him controlling everything. That's not true. God is sovereign. Sovereignty means he's above all. And he is. But in his sovereignty, if you'll go back to the very beginning, you'll see that God gave sovereignty over the earth to mankind. You study the scriptures. 
The word that's translated dominion, I give you dominion over the earth or authority or sovereignty. He gave that authority to man, Adam, and Satan through sin stole that authority and Satan became the God of this world. He's the one behind it all. The horrors, the murders, the rapes, the sickness, the disease. These are not God's will. Terrible things preachers have told people to try and explain the tragedies of life. Well, let's, let's let the Scriptures do the talking. Let's go to Psalm 145. Are you doing okay, everybody? The goodness of God will rock your world if you've been listening to man's wisdom. But it's a good kind of rock. <laughs> Jesus is the bedrock you can stand on and may be made whole. He's the Petra. Psalm 145.8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. Ooh, I like being around people who are slow to anger, don't you? That's something I'm learning. <laughs> the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all. Is there anything good about polio, tuberculosis, cancer? Nothing. Not, not one thing. It's all bad. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good. If you'll believe those three words, you'll never be the same. You are good. And what you do is good. Amen. Teach me your decrees. Show me how good you are. Have you ever asked God to do that? Why don't you ask today? Show me how good you are, Father. Reveal your goodness to me. Psalm 5, verse 4. You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. What's wicked? Murder, cancer, car accidents, tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes. Wicked, never a part of God's plan. God didn't design them. You want to know where you can see the will of God? There are three places in the Scriptures where you can clearly see the will of God. And you'll hear me say this regularly. The first one is in Genesis before sin. You can clearly see God's will if you'll look in Genesis before sin. He created paradise. There wasn't any sickness. There were no tornadoes. It didn't even rain. A mist would rise from the ground to provide the water needed. The second place you can clearly see the will of God is in the ministry of Jesus Christ because he is the will of God. And the third place you can clearly see the will of God in the Bible is after Satan is bound in Revelation and there will be no more sickness, no more tears, right? You are good and what you do is good. Verse, uh, Psalm 5, excuse me, verse 4, for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. 
There is no bad, no evil in God. There never has been and there never will be. He does not have the devil under contract. The devil is not a subcontractor to God the Father. He is an enemy to God the Father. God doesn't need him. God doesn't uh, employ him to teach you to be humble. That's garbage. Jesus never taught that, he never, nor did he example it. Verse 11, the same Psalm 5, same Psalm. But let all those who put their trust in thee rejoice. How can you rejoice in someone who's going to make you sick? See, the easy, I find the easiest way, well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's just keep reading. Let them, let them rejoice in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Because you defend them. Let them also that love your name be joyful in you. For you, Lord, will bless the righteous. If you're in Christ, you're the righteous. Hello. With favor, you'll compass him as with a shield. We're reading the will of God, aren't we? James 1.17, New Testament. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. If it's not good, it's not from God. It's just that simple. And comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What is no variation and shadow of turning? It means God's never changed. He's perfect in all His ways. He never will change. He's always been good. He'll always be good. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this is what I was going to say. Jesus makes it so plain. If you want to know how good God is, just think of how you would treat your child. It clears everything up. Right? It It just makes it so plain. Would you ever make your child sick? Never. I mean, that thought doesn't even enter our minds as a parent. Right? Unless you're evil. Unless you've got some twisted, perverted mind. Right? Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Sounds like a gracious father, doesn't it? We're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. I'm not hiding. I'm not a mysterious God that's hard to find. Come, talk to me. Believe in me. I'll reveal myself to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If God seems mysterious to you, just give him more of your heart. Let him take that fog away. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. That's a generous father. He who seeks, find, and to him who knocks, it will be open. And now he's making it as plain as it can be. He says, what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Kids, my kids that are here, have I ever given you a stone to eat? Come on, shout out. No. Has mom ever given you a stone at breakfast, lunch, or dinner? We don't have any stones in our house, do we? I don't do you have any stones on your plants anywhere? I don't know. We don't even have any in our house. There's no evil in him. He has no stones to give you. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Come on, kids, hands up. Children, 
Have we ever given you a serpent for dinner? Liver once. And that was the last time because we couldn't handle it. But it wasn't a serpent. <laughs> if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, it's, just, it's this simple. Don't let so-and-so who's a, a minister talk you out of Jesus, the simplicity of knowing Christ. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, because He's perfect, way more, give good things to those who ask Him? So if you ever want to know if something is from God, would you give that to your child? Would you put your child in a car accident to teach them to become a better driver? Never. What do you do to teach them to become a better driver? You sit in the passenger seat next to them and you go driving with them. And you give them instruction. You encourage them. You're a good driver. You can do this. Very good. Okay, now we're, we're going to drive in this parking lot for a little while, right? No other cars around. You guys go, I want you to park in that third spot over there. I want you to take your time, 10 miles per hour. Okay, ease. Ease on the brake and just come right in there. Turn right. Good, good job. Okay, straighten it out a little bit. That's how you teach him to drive. That's how God teaches us. He sits next to us and he speaks to us. He says, easy, easy. Take your time. Just walk with me. My yoke's easy. My load's light. Walk with me. Work with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He's a good father. He's a good father. <laughs> oh, he makes me smile. Now, here's the thing that confuses us. Our own free will. <laughs> we were made unlike any other creature in history. We're the only ones made in the image of God. Angels weren't. Animals sure weren't. Man was. That makes us really special. Now, uh, Jennifer was surprised with a gift on her birthday. It was a robo-vacuum. Anyone have a robo-vacuum here? So like those round discs that glide along your floor. Makes me feel like I'm on a Millennium Falcon or something, you know. So we've got our own R2-D2. But this thing really is a robot, and uh, it's funny. We're talking to it like it's a pet or something. Good job, little buddy. You got that dust. Way to go. No, turn right. Turn right. Go behind the couch. Good job. Good job. It doesn't hear us. How silly are we? Listen, all of us want relationships in our life. All of us want deep, meaningful relationships in our life. We have a free will and we're all looking for that. Do you know you're exercising your will daily to find deep, meaningful relationship? You may not know that, but you are. Because we're called to that. But the depth of your relationship can only go as deep as the one you're in relationship with. 
there's only so much relationship you can have with a robo-vacuum. And it's pretty shallow. It's about that high, you know? But we do these things. We try and find deep, meaningful relationships in shallow places with things that can't respond to us properly, with, with people that don't have our best interests in mind, with people who are walking in the flesh instead of the Spirit. We love all people. But we realize if we want God destiny in our lives, then the closest people in our lives need to be people who are running after Him with everything they've got. Because our destiny's too important. Our destiny's too precious. So the, the close people in our lives, Jesus had one who was closest to Him. It was John. The closest one. Then He had two more. He had His three. Then he had his 12. And in that 12, one betrayed him. Then he had a 70. There are, there are levels of relationship that we have. But if anyone's going to get truly close to me, they have to be running with everything they've got towards Christ. Not an option. I'll love them. But there's only so close I'll get. That's a requirement that I have. You need boundaries in your relationships because you're too important you're one of a kind that's not being condemning that's being loving to others and loving to yourself it's choosing good things don't judge me do you know there are two definitions for the word judge and people get them confused the one that people think of when they hear the word judge is condemn. And that is a definition. You can condemn someone. But the other definition of the word judge is to discern what's right and wrong. Can you imagine going through a day without discerning what's right and wrong? You may be dead. Every time we eat, we do, right? Is this rotten or is it fresh? Is this liver or is it fried chicken? Right? You better know the difference between liver and fried chicken in your relationships. Right? That's, that's the right kind of judging. This is the kind of judging, discerning, that we're to do. Hallelujah. So exercising your free will to step into the right relationships is key in giving God all of you. I can't give God my whole self if I'm in a fleshly relationship. I didn't plan on saying any of this. I can't give all of myself to Christ if I'm in a fleshly relationship with someone. I can't do it. Why? Because I'm going to be pulled in two different directions. Joe Flesh is going to be telling me to do this and Jesus is going to be telling me to do that. Am I going to go with Joe Flesh or Jesus? You mean experiencing God's will is not automatic? Nope. Never has been, never will be. You have to choose it with all that you are. We're in enemy territory. And Satan has strategies against you. And part of his strategies is bringing fleshly people, Joe Flesh, into your life to flatter you and to get you into a relationship you don't need. 
part of his strategy. Yeah. Oh, you're so cool. I love the way you do that. Yeah. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Man. We need to spend some time together. Really. Come to church with me. Let's worship Christ. Hallelujah. Let's fall on our face and cry out to Christ and say, Jesus, transform me. You'll find out where the, what their motives are. Let's crucify ourselves. You'll find out who your spiritual friends are. You want to be friends with them? Okay, let's crucify ourselves. Come on, we'll go to the cross, we'll crucify ourselves, and we'll have a great relationship. <laughs> the depth of your relationships can only go as deep as the one you're in relationship with. So if you're in a relationship with Joe Flesh, you're going to have flesh. But it's a spirit that gives life. So you need, you need the spirit of God. So there are these different things that we can try to have relationships, whether it be a robo-vacuum or a dog. I love dogs. Dogs just make me laugh. They're so funny. And I appreciate dogs, but you know dogs weren't made in the image of God. And, and isn't it awesome how God made different kinds of animals? There, there, there are some that just respond to people, like dogs. And, and man, they have a personality, Right? But there are some like rattlesnakes that don't, right? But, but even though God has made them in that way, there's only so deep you can go in your relationship with your dog. They say it's man's best friend. That's not true. The person who said that doesn't know how good God is. A dog is not your best friend. Please, you are, you're made in the image of God. See, man has exalted animals because man has had bad relationships with people. The reason they've had bad relationships with people is because they haven't given their whole self to Christ and, and, and they've chosen Joe Flesh. So now dogs are way up here and people are down here. That's out of order. Come on, there's only so deep you can go with a dog. You know, one time they're so fun and then you come home and they've gotten the trash and spread it all over your house and pooped on your floor and I mean, I don't know why my dog would do this, but she'd like to go up into my bathroom, the master bath, and poop in my shower. Like, where does she come up with that? She did it once, and that was it. Maybe twice. She might have. It's only so deep you can go in a relationship with a dog. Listen, animals are not in your class of being. You're not an animal. Don't listen to the foolish theories of man. You didn't come from goo. You're made in the image of God. He very carefully designed you and handcrafted you, and you have a divine destiny. You're not an angel. Did you know that? Angels weren't made in the image of God. See all these movies, and -and so-and-so dies and becomes an angel. You'll never be an angel. We're going to judge angels. Believers are. Spirit people are, right? We're going to judge them. Who are you? You are made in the image of God. And the only relationship 
that can truly satisfy the real you is a relationship with the one who made you. But it's a relationship where you have chosen of your own free will to give your whole self to him. Hallelujah. We're almost done, so hang in there. How are we doing? Good? Just got to let the word sink in. It doesn't happen fast. We're in training. We're growing. We're slow cooking. (laughs) You see, mankind is something very special. That's why Satan hates man so much. You're made in God's likeness to be in relationship with him. And until you're in that all of me relationship with God, you're going to be frustrated in some areas of your life. Or you'll just repress that frustration and cover it with self-affirmation and the applause of man and what man says is success. But if you want to truly come alive, give everything you've got to Christ and forget what anyone else says. Who cares if you lose all of your friends? Are you willing to never have another friend again and follow Christ? I'm serious. I can't tell you how many friends have left us over the years. Because they got to a point with Jesus, but that's as far as they wanted to go. I'm not satisfied. I'm going all the way with him. And no one is going to keep me from doing that. How about you? What are you willing to give up to go all the way with him? If it's not everything, then that something is a God in your life, an idol. Stop bowing down to it and burn it and run after Jesus. Run after him. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we gave you the definition in the last couple of weeks of eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize to experience and understand God. That's from John 17, 3. Um, And we combine the Amplified Translation. And let's put that together in John 3, 16. And John 17, 3, let's combine those two. I don't know if you guys did that or not. Dan, if you have that slide. But I'm going to read to you uh, John 3, 16. I'm going to put Jesus' definition of eternal life from John 17, 3. I'm going to put it in there. Okay, you can just, just stay on that one, and I'll read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but may know him, may experience him, may perceive and recognize him, may understand him. We want you to know this why that's why this church was started 
to give people a place they could come to grow in a real relationship with Jesus Christ, free from the traditions of man, just fresh, hot, living Jesus. He wants you to know him. He wants you to understand him. He wants you to perceive him. He wants you to recognize him. He wants you to experience him today and every day for the rest of your life. And the only thing that can hinder that is you not choosing to give him your whole self. Would you do that today? Let's pray. Father, forgive us for thinking that there's anyone or anything else that could do more for us or satisfy us more than you. How silly. What a foolish thought. We repent of that thinking. We change our mind. We turn away from such thoughts and ideas. And we turn towards you and we realize you are the perfect father. You're the one who wants to prosper us beyond what we've dreamed of. That it's your blessing that brings wealth and adds no sorrow to it. The wealth that the world brings brings sorrow with it, but not you. You prosper us in ways that there's no sorrow attached to it. We don't have to kick and scratch to get ahead. We just need to walk with you. Your yoke is easy and your load is light. So, Lord, we come to you of our own free will today. And we give you all of us. From this moment on, we're going to run after you. We don't care what anyone else says. If we lose every friend on the planet, it doesn't matter to us. Because you're the one that we want more than family and friends, more than success, more than possessions, more than fame, more than affirmation. We want you. And we determine to go all the way with you, Lord Jesus. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.